Good morning, everybody. Good to see you again. Good to see those who might be first-time guests this morning. We're always grateful for you. Hope this time will be a blessing for you. You certainly are for us. Also want to welcome our online community. We're always grateful for your presence. Hope this time will be a gift for you. Uh, you all are a gift to God and for the opportunity to celebrate and worship. We give thanks. So we begin this new worship series called uh, Unhurried, trying to figure out how it is we can live more fully and really faithfully into this relationship with God. And as I was reflecting on what it looks like to be unhurried, I got to thinking about rhythms in our lives. You all have kind of rhythms in your life, kind of rituals perhaps even that you do or enter into, right? Maybe in the morning, how you get ready to go in the uh, day, or maybe as you get ready for bed at night. I know I have rituals, right? And, and um, kind of rhythms, the, the very specific orderly things that we do. My family would call it OCD, but, you know, that's beside the point. And the staff sometimes makes fun of me because I, I kind of indicate when a meeting is over because when I'm ready to go, I just start stacking my stuff up and I'm ready to go, right? And that's an indication to everybody that uh, the rhythm has stopped and we need to move on, right? OCD is a funny thing because rhythms and rituals can sometimes feel and almost uh, uh, be the same thing, and yet life is full of rhythms, right? I mean, life itself is a rhythm. There is gestation, we're born, we live, we die, right? There's a whole cycle to all of that. There's that circadian rhythm. Are you familiar with that? The daily rhythm of life. And, and there are things that have input and import on that, right? Whether it's sunshine or not, or whether the food that we eat or not, and that circadian rhythm kind of indicates how we're going to move through the day. There are also those funky parts of life that have rhythm, like the estrogen cycle or the testosterone cycle in men, and I'm not a fan of either one of them, right? I don't know about you, but those rhythms are just there, and the, the rhythms can, when, when harnessed well, rhythms can kind of guide us into a fuller life. Rhythms can help us face each new day. Rhythms can help us uh, be more productive in all that we do, right? Those rhythms can be helpful. Unfortunately, we've somehow gotten caught up in some uh, rhythms that aren't always helpful. That's why we've called this series Unhurried, because many of us have gotten caught up without realizing it in a very hurried kind of rhythm, right? Uh, we get hurried in our work life. We get hurried in our, with our kids or grandkids' lives. We get hurried in how we need to get things done or accomplished. We get hurried in terms of traffic and rushing. Even our recreation can sometimes be very hurried and rushed. Often we'll come home from a vacation exhausted because we've tried to pack so much into it, right? We've lost sight of how it is we can enter into very productive, purposeful rhythms in our lives. And this hurriedness has become the norm. But I want to suggest to us that it's not normal for our faith. It's not the way God designed us. It's not the way God desires for us to live. And yet we find ourselves all caught up in it for any number of reasons. Sometimes it's technology. Sometimes it's our own personal choices. Sometimes it's things that kind of influence our lives and we're not 100% sure how we need to respond or what we need to do with that. But we find ourselves hurried. And a part of what I want to help us better understand, I hope, today is that God had a, a, a kind of a design or a desire from the very beginning with God's relationship with us that wants us to know 
that we don't have to live hurried, that we can live more faithfully in a close, deep relationship with God. Now, it started in what some would call the Mosaic Law or the Decalogue, you may know it, as the Ten Commandments. And sometimes I refer to them as the Big Ten, right? I mean, the Big Ten are those basic rules by which we ought to live. God established them centuries ago, and they were designed in order to help create order and relationship with God. And you know the Ten, and the fourth one is about Sabbath. And Exodus chapter 20 enumerates all ten, but I want to just read the Sabbath portion today to help remind us of the way in which God helps us to find a rhythm that is full and rich for life. This is how it starts. Exodus 20 verse 8, remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy because the Lord uh, made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Pretty straightforward, right? God created, uh, God took time to rest. God believes that uh, we need to take time to rest and we need to set that day aside as holy. It needs to be set apart. It needs to be distinctive. There's something special about that Sabbath day. And that was established in order that we might find life and wholeness in a relationship with God. Now, that went along pretty well, and, and, and the Israelites figured out a way to live into that and figured out a way to live for that, but they also figured out a way to take it so far that sometimes it lost its purpose. And so we look further into uh, the Torah, and we find in the Deuteronomist uh, version of this, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, there's the whole part that we just read, but then there's another addition that I think embraces a, a, a richer understanding of what we're supposed to be doing on the Sabbath. Listen to how the Deuteronomist puts it. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you to. Fair enough, that's the same, right? Six days you shall labor and do all your work. That's the same. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord our God. You shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male or female slave or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the resident alien in your towns so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So the Deuteronomist takes the concept of rest, which is very important and very base to the understanding of Sabbath, and then he expands it. He expands it for not only the rest of you, but all of your family and all of your servants and all of the people in community and all of your animals. He's trying to acknowledge that this is a rhythm not just for you as an individual, but for us as a collective body. And then he takes it even one step further. And he says, remember, you were once slaves, and God took you out of that and brought you into freedom. Remember that you were encapsulated, and God set you free. Remember that the God who made all things made you for better and for a richer life, and therefore gave you freedom. Remember. And so part of what we begin to discover is that there's some rhythms about this Sabbath that become very important to help us become unhurried. 
And they're very straightforward. Rest is a rhythm and remembering is a rhythm. It's a way to begin to function so that we can find connection with God. And when we discover that rhythm and we live well into that rhythm, we actually discover life. We actually discover an opportunity for there to be more. But a part of our dilemma is that we feel as though, man, I got too much to do. There's too many things that I need to achieve or too many uh, uh, things on my plate or that becomes a part of the problem. But then secondarily, what becomes a part of the problem is I can't give a whole day. I don't know how to do that. I can't make that function. And therefore, we tend to sort of negate and put off because we feel as though there's no way to achieve it. And what I want to suggest is that wasn't God's goal. That wasn't God's desire. God's desire was a connection, was a relationship. So let's talk about Sabbath just for a minute because I think sometimes we get overwhelmed by it. Sabbath as a word literally just means to cease or to rest. So what we are claiming is I'm going to cease from my everyday work. I'm going to cease from the common ordinary elements of life, and I'm going to focus on God. I'm going to give my attention to who God is, cease. In fact, um, Mark Buchanan is an author, and Mark wrote a book called The Rest of God, meaning rest in God, right? And in that, uh, a part of what he says is that Sabbath means to cease from the necessary and embrace what brings life. That sounds pretty cool, right? Cease from the necessary and embrace what brings life. That's God's intended goal, I think. That's God's desire for our hearts. And so instead of getting sort of encapsulated or caught up in, by golly, I can't do that. It's too hard. It's overwhelming. And I just, it's, there's no way I can achieve that and therefore not doing it. Let's figure out a way to live into this concept of ceasing and embracing in a time. Now, you know, we worship on Sunday, right? We Christians, followers of Christ, don't worship on the Sabbath. We worship on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, the day on which Jesus was raised from the dead. It's the first day of the week. Sabbath is the last day of the week. For those literalists, Sabbath literally means sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And it's a rich tradition in the Hebrew faith in, in which they uh, dedicate their souls to worship of God and rest from labor, right? And the beauty of that is there's a kind of rhythm that causes all of that. And a part of it is set up in the Hebrew calendar. In the Hebrew calendar, a day begins in the evening, goes overnight into the morning into the next evening. It's not like our day, right? Our day begins in the morning or midnight and works through the day and then we end at night, right? This day starts in the evening and moves to the next evening. And there's a powerful rhythm in that that's very important. It goes something like this. We have an evening meal. We pray for the meal. We pray for our families and for the world. We bless our children. We bless our families. We bless the community and the world, and we go to rest for the night. It's much like the way we end our days typically, right? That is to say, after dinner, there's a kind of a wind down, whatever that looks like for each one of us, but we're getting ready for rest, right? If the day begins that way with uh, prayers and a meal and blessings and then going to sleep, and that's the beginning of our day, that rhythm sets us up well for how we're going to live into the rhythm of Sabbath. 
Because once we've sort of wound ourselves down for the rest, then once we've had the rest, guess what happens? I'm ready for the new day. I'm ready to celebrate who God is and what God is doing. I'm ready to uh, join with God in the workings of creation. I'm ready to celebrate all that God has set before me because I have started with rest and I've prepared myself for the activity of the next day. I love that. And that's what we mean by rhythm. What we mean by rhythm is entering into these rituals and these, these cycles that can help bring life. That's the intended goal of Sabbath, not something that's cumbersome, not something that takes away, not something that diminishes, but rather something that can embrace all that God desires for us. And so rather than getting caught up in, man, I just got too much to do and there's no way that's ever going to work, I'll never be able to cram that in, I wonder if we can cease from certain things so that we can embrace life. Another way that uh, I've heard Sabbath referred to is Sabbath is for delight and communion with God. Wow, that's pretty powerful, right? Delight, taking joy in who God is and all that God has done and the ways that God is at work and communion with God. I reckon in some ways that's kind of like the rest and the remembrance, because the rest is resting from everything that separates me from God or prevents me from fully knowing God or being in that connection with God, right? I'm delighting in that or I'm resting from that. And then communion, as we receive today, reminds us that we are in communion with God, that we're connected to God, and that's the remembrance. I reckon remembrance kind of has maybe two components. I mean, a part of it is remembering, right, intellectually. I remember everything you've done, God. I remember how you brought us out of slavery and into, uh, uh, out of bondage, into freedom, right? But it's also remembering us with God, that we are members of the body of Christ, and we celebrate being reconnected with who God is and what God is doing in the world. That's remembering and as we do that, we find a richer relationship with God. But we've got to be intentional about it. We've got to figure out why this is important. Because we live in a culture that values rush and accomplishment and achievement and going, going, going. And while there's clearly nothing wrong with accomplishing things and achieving things, when we do them to the degree that they keep us from fully knowing God and recognizing the wonder of God's relationship for us, it tears at the fabric of who we are as followers of Christ. So I wonder if we, if we begin to think of this rhythm, this rhythm of rest and remembering. I love the way David put it in Psalm 62. At the very top of the psalm, David says this in Psalm 62, only in God do I find my rest. My salvation comes from him. I find it fascinating that David is tying rest with salvation. And this glorious opportunity that if we will indeed find our rest, our peace, our wholeness in God, we will find that salve for our souls. We'll find that connection that God is desiring for our hearts. 
So if we do indeed take time for rest, time for rest of body and mind, of heart and soul, we begin to recognize that that rest can bring refreshment, it can bring a new kind of energy, it can bring a hope that might get lost in the hurriedness of life, it can help refresh our souls in such a way that it can change how we interact with people. And isn't it fascinating that rest is really built into virtually all living organisms. But we humans, who seemingly know better, can't seem to grasp hold of its purpose. I mean, just think for, with me for a minute about certain things. We know that, and I know we're not agrarian folks, but we know that one of the best ways to help crops grow better is that every seven to nine years we let them go fallow. We let them rest because the soil needs rest. It needs to be refreshed. It needs to be turned over, right? You talk to any bodybuilder who's working hard on those muscles, and they'll tell you, I work hard and I rest. There are off days, right? There are rest days. How is it that a baby grows? Man, they come into this world sleeping, and they sleep 20 hours a day because that's how they grow. They buy fully into that rest and the power of what that rest means. One of my favorite images is of a yeast dough bread, right? If you've ever made yeast dough, what do you do after you put the yeast in the flour and the, and the water? You let it rest, right? And as it rests, what does it do? It grows. It comes alive. <laughs> it has life. All of you living organisms know that rest is important for life and for energy and for moving forward. What makes us think we're any better? If the Lord of the universe, if the creator of all things needs to take time for rest, who do we think we are that we don't? God designed us for that rest, and that rest builds us up. It doesn't diminish or cause us to be lazy or uh, make us somehow less than. That rest is built into the vibrancy of our lives and the rhythms of our lives. And the remembrance is important too because the remembering us to God, the reconnecting us with God is so critical to how we know God and how we know God's heart. And how we remember the goodness of what it is God does for us and for the world. Many of you know Psalm 46. Psalm 46 is a powerful psalm. I want to encourage you to go read the whole psalm today. But many of us know Psalm 46 verse 10. But we may not know it by chapter and verse. But it goes like this. Be still and know that I am God. You know that verse, right? It's a powerful verse both of Rest, be still, but also of remembering and reconnecting ourselves to God and know that I am God. And there's a beautiful prayer of this scripture. Remember last week we talked about praying scriptures, perhaps even memorizing scriptures, and this is a powerful way to do that. Some of you have done this before, I know, but I just want to walk you through a way to remember us to God. And remember that God is the goodness in all of us and for us. We meditate on this one verse and we pull it back and then we build it back. And it goes something like this. Be still 
and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Be still. Be still and know. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I am God. And as we pause and reflect, as we pull and as we grow, we recognize the richness of that relationship with God and what it is God can do in and through us. If only we'll take moments to pause, to ponder, to reflect, and to find refreshment. It makes a huge difference in how we face each new day and how the rhythm of life becomes more rich. But I know sometimes we get caught up in the overwhelming nature of Sabbath, what I need to do, how I must do. And occasionally that shuts us down. And every once in a while we realize, man, there are some legalists in the world and they, you know, they, they take it to the nth degree. And, and those of us who are chronologically mature enough in life, we remember when it was forced on us, right? When there were laws where stores couldn't sell products and restaurants weren't open and things couldn't be done. You remember those days. And some of us cherished that and, and loved it. And others of us, if we were kids, we hated it. But it forced stuff on us, and that's not God's desire. God's not, God is not a God of force. God is a, a God of relationship, of connection, of desire and yearning to be with us. And Jesus understood this. It's why when some of the legalists of Jesus' day, the Pharisees, were calling him out for healing and teaching on the Sabbath, he helps set them straight, and it happens in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I love Mark's version in Mark chapter 2, and I specifically love the New Living Translation of what Jesus says about Sabbath because it's all about the rhythm. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of humans or people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Wow. Wow. That makes a difference. That makes it more doable. Uh, Sabbath exists to help me. Sabbath exists to help you. Sabbath exists to help me understand this relationship with God and how I can uh, overcome barriers and problems and circumstances. And it helps give me life and hope and possibility. If only I'll enter into the rhythm and make it real. If only I'll do something about this gift that God is offering all of creation. Remember, it's a part of the Big Ten. We can do this. It is possible. And so I'd just like to offer a couple of suggestions because rather than letting the concept shut us down, I want to bring it to the surface so that we can joyfully celebrate the gift. So one way to move forward, I just call these the four Ds. They're real simple. 
One is quite literally just determine. Determine that this is important. Determine that this is valuable to your life. Determine that you're going to make a difference about it so that something can be transpired by it, right? Let's just make that determination. We're not going to get overwhelmed. We're not going to throw it away. We're not going to determine it's impossible. We're going to determine it is possible and it is important, right? So that's a decision. The second is that we need to be deliberate. Be deliberate about how we set it aside. Remember, God's words in both Exodus and Deuteronomy were, consider the Sabbath holy. And when we consider that, sometimes we get overwhelmed by holy. I'm, I'm not holy. See how you, you have to talk different when you even use the word, right? And we get overwhelmed by holy, but all holiness means is set apart. I'm going to make this time, this space, this event, this Sabbath, I'm going to make it different. I'm going to be deliberate about it, and I'm going to… We know every, we, when, we, when we make things intentional, it's going to happen, right? I'm going to organize it. I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to work it out. I'm going to do it, right? So uh, when I um, am deliberate, it means I'm going to set that apart. I'm going to make it possible, Right? The third thing is designate a time and a space. Now, I'm here to tell you, I don't believe Sabbath has to be 24 hours. If you do that, more power to you, and I think you'll be better off for it. But I believe we can do Sabbath in periods of time, blocks of time. It could be four hours or eight hours or 12 hours. It can be chunks of time. And just designate that so that you say, this period of time is going to be my Sabbath. I'm going to set it aside to rest and reflect and remember. I'm going to do it in this space, wherever that is. Get out of work, perhaps get out of home, whatever that looks like. I'm going to designate a chunk and start with something reasonable. Start with something you can achieve and rest from everything. Rest from the phone, rest from the TV, rest from work, rest from obligation, rest from the things that prevent us from being in a relationship with God. Designate it. Because when we do, that ritualizes it and it creates a rhythm and it creates an opportunity for it to be achievable rather than overwhelming. And guess what? Like many other things that we start small, guess what it can become? It can become that 24 hours if we'll be deliberate about it and if we be intentional about it, if we determine that that's what we believe, right? Then it brings the refreshment, the encouragement, the opportunity. The fourth D, just do it. <laughs> stop making excuses. Stop thinking it's overwhelming. Stop, you know, creating blocks. Just do it and enter into that rhythm and discover the joy of rest and remembering. For those of you who do it, I know you know it's beauty and it's wonder. I know you know it actually makes you more productive, more effective, and more efficient. And how ironic that some of us sometimes think, I just can't make time. I just can't make it work. There's just no way. There's too many things. But it's proven, both spiritually and scientifically, 
that if we will take this rest and if we will remember our creator, life becomes full. So my prayer for me and for us is that we'll discover a way to become unhurried. And as we discover a way to become unhurried, we will discover the rhythms of rest and remembrance. And God will be faithful always. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you. Thank you that you saw fit to take rest and that you designed us to take rest. Help us, Lord, to take charge of that gift, to use it as a part of the great rhythms of life, to develop a richer relationship with you and to become more empowered and encouraged in our everyday life. And thank you for rest and for the ways that it calls us into right relationship with you. God, this is our prayer, and we lift it in the name of Jesus, whom we know to be the Christ. Amen.